Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. Game day, your verdict. Well, it was another cracking day in the Premier League and it delivered some great entertainment on game day with Talk Sport. Liverpool's lead at the top of the Premier League now stands at 10 points as they beat bottom side Watford 2-0 at Anfield. While second place Leicester were held to a one-all draw by Norwich, Chelsea have suffered back-to-back defeats after Bournemouth picked up a much-needed 1-0 win at Stamford Bridge and Sheffield United are up to fifth thanks to a 2-0 victory over Aston Villa. Here's the very best of your reaction to the day's football on both the full-time phone-in with Adrian Durham and David Connolly and your verdict with me, Laura Woods and Darren Bent. This is the Game Day Your Verdict podcast. Let's get straight into it and head over to Stamford Bridge with Ian Danter. There goes the full-time whistle and what a way for Bournemouth to end a winless run of five straight defeats. They have come to Stamford Bridge and for the third time in their Premier League history, they've come away with all three points courtesy of a late goal from Dan Gosling, a goal that was originally disallowed, but VAR showed that Gosling was onside as he hooked the ball over the keeper, Aretha Balaga, and into the net despite the attempts of the Chelsea defence to clear it before it crossed the line. The goal was given and Bournemouth have all three points at Stamford Bridge once again to bust accumulators up and down the country and the Bournemouth fans absolutely loving it. For Chelsea, another stuttering performance at home like they had against West Ham and the same result has occurred. Full time at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea nil, Bournemouth won. Let's uh, go straight to Stamford Bridge where Bournemouth won. Here's the moose. I've got Eddie Howe with me. Eddie, you barely had a team, to, a fit team today to play and you've come away with three points. You must be absolutely thrilled. Well, we, yeah, we, we did have a fit team to play. We were stretched. Um, there's no denying that. But the players that played today did, did me proud, did the club proud. thought they were absolutely magnificent. Um, we really stepped up. You know, we asked for some big performance from players today and um, they responded brilliantly. Everyone's from a man, gave everything. Uh, we knew that we were going to be under pressure and... Um, with the quality of players that they have, we had to really show a, a spirit and determination to build confidence in the game. And once we did, I thought second half we were a real threat the other way. VAR's been so controversial. He's been even controversial today at Anfield in the game before the one here. When it went to VAR, were you 100% convinced you were going to get the goal? No, I wasn't. <laughs> Are you having a laugh? 100%. Um, no, I saw Dan's run and I thought he had a chance of being onside. Um, and when they said they're checking, then that affirmed, reaffirmed that, that we had a chance but with the, the delay the longer it went on I wasn't sure um, obviously delighted our bench had seen it and they, they, they were convinced it was a goal but until it's given um, you ne- you're never sure so delighted for Dan because he's had to come back from a, an injury and he's been brilliant for me he's never let me down and today I thought he was a giant for us It's your third win here and Chelsea haven't scored in any of those wins you've had here is it the best of the lot though because of the circumstances yeah, it, it, Well I, I don't know I think we've we've I think the year we won 3 0, I thought it was a really good team performance and we, we were fully justified in the result. I think today was backs against the wall. We had to really dig in. And of course, that, those results are just as special as the ones where you're playing fluent football. I don't think we're ever going to play fluent football today. I think it was going to be more a case of the run we've been on, showing a different side of, of our mentality that we needed to bring to the game. I thought we did that, built in confidence. And then I thought probably just about deserved it. 
finally from me, we're going to get Bournemouth fans ringing the full-time phone in. Doubtless going to be heaping praise on you and your team. I know in recent weeks, you've kind of taken it upon yourself when your team haven't done well to say, look, I'm the one to blame. You're going to go out tonight and say, right, I'm the one that's masterminded this. Absolutely not. You don't know me well enough. <laughs> I do know you well. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. It's all about the players. It, 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 you know, when, when the team's doing well, it's all about how, how well the players have done. I want to lavish praise on them today, everyone, because they... they um, the team needed them, the club needed them to stand up and produce a performance. So um, I'm just there to help them do it. Well done, Eddie. Thank you. Eddie, there we go. Eddie Howe talks to be live there on the full-time phone in Adrian after that brilliant win here at Stamford Bridge. That's what you get on the full-time phone in. Managers live and their reaction uh, pretty soon after the final whistle uh, as well. And we'll hear from players and we'll hear from fans. Let's hear from a Chelsea fan now. Phil is with us on the full-time phone in. How are you doing, Phil? How are you doing, um, everybody? How are you doing, Adrian? What a lovely day, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. Four defeats in five. You threw in the Champions League. You can't be too negative because uh, Frank's probably done better than you thought he'd do. Well, I'm not going to be negative, but I just don't want all these supporters coming on here now saying, oh, Frank's got to go, which will be absolutely ridiculous. Um, Solskjaer had a bit of a dodgy one as well, and now he seems to be coming a little bit good and a few good results together. So just uh, something we've never done at Chelsea is give our managers time. And I think you've got to give him time. I know it's a bit of an e-cup, and it is a few defeats, I know that. But we've got now the transfer ban lifted. Uh, don't go rational and go mad in the transfer window. I mean, you know, there's rumours of Sancho and players like that. But, you know, we've got some quality players still at Chelsea. It's still some to come back and to come through. But this is a bit of a e-cup. It's a few e-cups. But, Frank, we believe in you. Uh, I do anyway, and I think we'll get it right. Uh, Phil, thanks for that. It's, it's going to be interesting for uh, Chelsea. I think uh, very quickly, David Connolly, of all the managers they've had in, in this uh, Premier League era, and they get through them, even with the success, Chelsea. This one now, Frank Lampard is going to get time, isn't he? Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, the only thing he, he might look at, I guess, is the goals conceded. They've conceded someone like 25, I think it is, today. They had 24, obviously, that one today. And I think when he won the league years ago in 0405 under Mourinho, they only conceded 15 the whole season. So that might be somewhere he looks at obviously if they do sign somebody it's going to block that pathway for the likes of you know Tamori now Tamori didn't play there Rudiger and Zuma but you know again they will give you those chances that we saw conceded four against Ajax two against Valencia they do concede goals in the Premier League three against Everton so that might be one area you think you know do they have enough strength have they got enough know-how at the back to keep clean sheets to give them a chance to go and win games when they are tight no the reality is that Chelsea are on 29 in fourth place Sheffield United four points behind them and Man United who played tomorrow five points behind behind Chelsea so that fourth spot it was looking like a breakaway from the top four uh, until a few weeks ago Chelsea are just being brought back in by the rest of the pack Chelsea have lost more than a third of their Premier League games so far this season they've lost six of the 17 that that is not a good stat at all they're, it's almost like they're hanging on to their top four status well I think they are but I think that obviously you're coming up against teams I mean if you look at the Everton game they came up against Big Dunk and I think that caught them sort of they weren't really prepared for the intensity David just stop there a second we're going to get the reaction from Frank Lampard live on TalkSport he's with the Moose walk towards me and say come on then so I suggest that means you're not in a good mood <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah, no, I mean, but your team didn't play well today. I know that. You could see that from the sidelines with yeah. you. Yeah. Um, Bournemouth organised, you know, 4-5-1. Didn't want to give us spaces to attack. Played in a pretty deep block, as you'd expect. Eddie Howe's not an idiot. Smart man. And uh, they come on for a tough run. But we have to be better to break them down. Too slow. Not urgent enough. My... My gripe recently has been we're creating a lot and not taking enough of them. Today wasn't quite that. We created a few great chances, probably two or three. So if you take them, you win the game. Um, but we didn't. And our overall play was too slow. I don't like it. Oh, Joe, you know I thought back to the first game you took over at Derby at Reading last year when you said the same thing to me about the end, about your first half, and they weren't playing as quick as you, as you wanted. How are you going to get Chelsea to play as quick as you want? Work. Training ground work. I don't like it. I didn't like the game today. I, I don't get excited by... Uh, playing the ball across the back line for the sake of it um, especially when the team are just waiting for you just allows them to wait and um, so we have to find ways around that we work a lot on it but we need to keep more working even more Any qualms about the goal? No okay. Happy with VAR? No, no. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm not happy with VAR, but I think probably if there's, a, if there's anything I'm okay with with it, it's probably offside because it should be uh, pretty straightforward, unless it's ultra tight, like we've seen a few, which is a bit of a question mark. But generally, I think it probably gets it right on the offside one more than more than not. Go to Spurs next week, take on Jose, and the whole of this week is going to be dominated by you against Jose. 
not a great time with four defeats in five. Is it though? We, we've just got beaten by three teams that are on a, on bad runs. So I think it's a reaction time for everybody, myself, the players, uh, fans are coming here and watching us at home struggle to beat teams that we should be, not say should be beaten, we respect all of them, but with what we have, we should be. And that's a, sometimes not just quality, that's personality. Fans, they come in and go, go on then, can you break, break a team down? So if you're a good 1v1 man, if you're a good bright player around the box, if you're a striker that scores goals, show it. And we haven't shown it enough at home. So big test at Tottenham next week. Let's show it on the road. Thanks for your honesty as always. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. There we go. Frank Lampard, whatever you say, absolutely honest to, to a T, Adrian, after a game. Yeah, I, I've got to say that's a, an extraordinary interview, uh, David Connolly. When uh, he's talking about too slow, not urgent, needed to be clever, uh, clever enough to break them down, and then just bluntly saying, I don't like it, don't like the way we played. Extraordinary. Yeah, and he has said that a few times. Look, he doesn't pull any punches, and I think the players will like him for that. You know, he's, he's honest. He's not going to ask anything of them that he hasn't asked of himself. A few times, even at Vicarage Road, I covered the game for Talk Sport, where they were very comfortable, 2-0 up, conceded, and obviously they needed a superb save at the end just to make sure they got three points. So I don't think they've ever looked totally, you know, at ease in that top four where they are at the minute and I don't think they're playing to the best of their potential they can at times when everyone's functioning when Mason mounts on it when teams play out and they try and win it up high early if teams have got a high defensive line they look great running in behind with the pace that they possess but as he said against sides that sit in make it really difficult you know they haven't quite been able to sort of break them down and that was a challenge today look he knows anyhow he's not going to come out he's not going to play the ball out of the back and risk losing possession in his own half he's just going to say go on then Chelsea what can you do can you break down and we might try and nick a goal and that's exactly what they've done. One thing I really love that Frank Lampard said there David was in, when he's talking about I don't like the ball being needlessly played sideways across the back four and I don't like that either I don't think anybody really likes that it's just completely pointless um, but for the manager to say that about his own team I, I just love the direction he's heading it's obviously uh, the results aren't particularly great right now. That's right I mean, look I saw that today I'm at, I'm at Griffin Park I saw Fulham play the ball between one centre half and the other so many times I saw it for Arsenal the other day the same playing from one centre half to the other and that is not what Frank wants to play he didn't score all those goals as a goal scorer midfielder by the two centre halves playing the ball in between them at times you've got to go a little bit more direct now look at Mourinho he's playing Mourinho soon how many times how many goals have they scored lately from Mourinho from a longer diagonal a longer straighter pass and they're straight in behind I saw him at uh, Burnley absolutely destroyed them by playing forward early quickly using the pace that they have in their side and you know obviously that's what he wants a little bit more of I think in that Chelsea team just on the goal I have seen the goal that uh, Bournemouth have scored I've just seen it and Dan Gosling is not offside that's absolutely correct but what happens is there's uh, as the ball comes it goes out rather the ball is cleared Chelsea all come out as you know as teams have always done for years and years and years to try and leave somebody in there who's offside they do leave a player in there who's offside but it's not Dan Gosling yep. who, who then once the ball is played back in, gets on to the end of it and scores. Now, if you are playing an offside trap like that with Chelsea, have they just got to stop doing that? Or, well, or, or should that be called offside? No, you can't stop doing that because that's obviously the way that you want to compress the play and get everyone up the pitch. The danger is, obviously, if the ball goes wide, for example, and we've seen numerous goals like this where there might be a centre forward who's offside in the middle, ball goes wide, that player is onside, he then crosses it back in. Suddenly, he's back onside because everyone else is back in play. So it's so hard in this day and age are defensive lines if you want to play a certain way he can't be deep and then have his defense back line in there defending more balls that's how he wants to play getting his team up the pitch they got to do that it's just if you're clever you can find a way around it as they did with Gosling today yeah I've got to say it's um it's definitely over the line as well in case anybody's wondering he is definitely onside it's a terrific finish from Gosling as well but I, if a Chelsea if Frank Lampard is uh, upset about that VAR decision then I can totally understand it but the reality is Dan Gosling's not offside so uh, I'd love to know how fans see that one let's bring in a, a Chelsea fan Tommy is with us on TalkSport 2 0871722344 how are you doing Tommy? Hi Adrian mate how's the weekend going alright? Well mine's okay but what about yours? <laughs> it's not great uh, as I'm sure you could have guessed um, I, I did go to the game today so I'm not going to start pinpointing things that I haven't seen um, the thing that I said early on in the season, and it was great, Chelsea were going to Carrow Road, scoring three goals, going to Molyneux, scoring five. It was all well and good when we were scoring goals because we were conceding goals. Now, if the goals dry up down one end, but we're conceding goals, it's a recipe for disaster. And I just think over the last 
five or six weeks, I think Chelsea players, the young players, had so much, so many compliments. The press has been great to us. Everyone's been saying about the way Chelsea football club's going. It's going in the right direction. And I just worry that it's almost gone to the players' heads a little bit. Um, they've kind of, have they taken their foot off the gas? I went to the Villa game, I went to the West Ham game, and I've been to a couple of Champions League games over the last few weeks. It just looks a little bit slow, it's a little bit flat. Traditionally, uh, Chelsea don't do well at this time of year. November, December has always been our worst club. We've lost managers at this time, we've lost ground in the title race. But I, I don't really know, I don't want to press the panic button, because I'm not a fan. What Frank is doing is amazing. But I am worried, Adrian. I am worried. And I'm just looking at the games that I've been to. It's just a little bit flat. We've got that little spark that we created in the first two, two and a half months of the season. So I, I don't know, will new signings sort it out or will it complicate things a little bit more? It's interesting. It's some really good points, Tommy. I mean, well thought out as well. Nobody's screaming uh, for massive change or the manager to go or anything like that. It's all very rational from uh, Chelsea fans, David Connolly. And I, I look at it, Tammy Abraham's had an unbelievable uh, first half of the season. He's had an unbelievable few months. You know, I don't think anybody saw this coming. And the question is, can he continue it? And I, I said today at the start of the game, I look at the back four. I mentioned it to you. Look at the Bournemouth back four. And I thought, Tammy Abraham will be licking his lips, rubbing his hands together, thinking, here we are, I'm going to have a field day. My I get a hat trick and, and they didn't even score a goal Chelsea well yeah I mean look when you sit in and you've got a certain game plan of how you're going to play you're not going to have a high line you're going to be nice and compact nice and narrow I looked at Brentford today how defended against for example Alexander Mitrovic didn't give him an inch marked him really really closely stayed close to him didn't give him an inch was very aggressive with him and basically negated his threats now obviously Abraham's got plenty of strengths he can run in behind he can come short he can now finish from crosses he can finish from distance we've seen that I mean I was like Bickridge Road he scored an absolutely unbelievable goal ball round the corner from Jorginho he scores all types of goals but if you're going to defend deep and not give that space in behind it's a different challenge for him and I guess that's what you know maybe Tommy's saying there in terms of you know again what I said defending conceding too many goals how are they going to stop doesn't matter what you do Frank was part of that title winning team under Mourinho they're only letting someone like 15 goals he knows forget winning the league but to be up there challenging that's what you've got to aim for something around 20 goals 20 25 conceding in a season you've got a real chance at the minute they're already on 25 so it puts you under enormous pressure I'm sure they must be looking at how to tighten up at the back as a back four uh, I want to hear from Bournemouth fans on this win as well because maybe one or two were starting to wonder about Eddie how they hadn't lost five in a row in the Premier League before it was one win in ten they were too close to the relegation zone so I'd love to hear from Bournemouth fans 0871722344 on uh, Twitter John Joe a Chelsea fan says some big signings needed next month uh, for the Chelsea and Rubble on Twitter says you won't get any panic from real Chelsea fans this season is still a shot to nothing and mid-table finish will be more than reasonable I'm sure you'll find I love this bit David I'm sure you'll find some FIFA playing snowflake to have a moan about Lampard, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm sure uh, there won't be that many. Let's be honest, right? When he got the job, I think a lot of people were absolutely delighted. And you mentioned Abraham. Now, no one knew that maybe Tamri was going to score this volume of goals and be this important. Everyone hoped, certainly Frank hoped, and he believed in him, and he's been repaid. Now, maybe if he hadn't had his goals, where would they be? Well, they might be mid-table, but they're not. And he's getting a lot out of these players, but, but, but certainly I think they have struggled at times against teams that defend deep and maybe the teams have got a little bit of energy a bit of legs about them as you saw with Everton Game Day your verdict on Talk Sport Quality sleep is essential that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. West Ham United are very close. West Ham United have won the day. Really crucial victory for Manuel Pellegrini and the team that he sent out here tonight. The boos confirm that Southampton will remain in the bottom three of the Premier League table. West Ham United will move four points ahead of them, almost into the lower reaches of mid-table. And Manuel Pellegrini, having decided to pair Mikel Antonio and Sebastian Allaire for the first time as an attacking duo, has reaped the reward of an Allaire goal which has won the night and maybe won him some grace with his employers and with the West Ham fans. They don't play again until Boxing Day. They were due to play Liverpool next weekend, but they will be otherwise engaged in Doha. And everything points to the fact that Manuel Pellegrini will still be in charge on Boxing Day. It's been a great night for him. Southampton nil, West Ham United won. Let's go to Michael, he's a West Ham fan. Um, that game is quite interesting. It's the one that me and Darren sat here and watched this afternoon, the 5.30 kickoff, and it was West Ham that walked away with three points from St Mary's. Michael, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good about it. I mean, it's probably not going to get as many headlines as Chelsea away recently, but it's, uh, <laughs> it feels like a bigger three points to actually beat one of the uh, teams around you, the traditional six-pointer. Right. Um, I felt that Pellegrini, who's traditionally a little bit stubborn with his formations, it was mm. good to see him go to two two lads up front, So, uh, and both of which in, in different ways were sort of unplayable today. Mm. So I was really keen to get Darren's thoughts, as you know, a former front man himself, to see uh, what you thought about the game. Yeah, I liked it. I thought the, 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 the inclusion of Antonio and Haller up top, I thought worked really, really well. I mean, obviously Haller, the big target man, can hold the ball up, but I think Antonio's willing running and work great, I think, which is what got West Ham over the line. I mean, chasing lost causes, and he was an absolute, like, we, we call it pest. It's like a menace of pest because they, they knew that they, they didn't have time to get the ball down past it. You I mean there's nothing? It's easy for a defender when you, you've got time on the ball. You can look pretty. You can pick passes. But when you've got someone who's shutting you down, you know, putting you under pressure, making it difficult. And yeah, he gave one or two fouls away, but that just let the defenders know that they were in for a game. And for me, Mikel Antonio was head and shoulders the, the best attacker on the pitch for me, and man of the match deservedly. Really, really a shame to see that goal ruled out. I mean, those are the rules now under under the new legislation. But you know, it was a it was a classic example of Mikel. Antonio just a long punt upfield made made a mockery of the defence and, uh, and and slashed in the finish but I think it might help Pellegrini stumble upon a formation I don't think West Ham can really defend yet they do actually have some decent centre halves so if you want to try and get against the better teams two strikers on the pitch then you probably have to move towards a 3-5-2 so you've got Obona yeah. uh, Diop and Balbuena at centre half which will suit our fullbacks because to be honest none of them can really defend so you've got Zabaleta uh, mm. getting on Frederick's great going forward Cresswell's been actually quite uh, quite a strong performer recently, and Masuaku similar, you know, very attacking fullbacks. Then you'd have Rice, Noble, and one of Lanzini, Anderson, Fornells in that sort of attacking midfield role with the two big lads up front with Yarmolenko, who plays as second striker for Ukraine, to come in up top. So I think, you know, it feels very, very significant. It's You know, we've got a good record against Southampton. We've got Palace coming up. Traditionally, we've got quite a good record against them. You've got Bournemouth, Everton, Leicester... Uh, so we've had presentable <laughs> fixtures before. We haven't made the most of them, but it feels like uh, a good turning point for the engineer. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a very charming gentleman as a manager. I've watched a lot of TV media. Do you really think that, Michael? If because he loses today, Darren, will he go? Will he go? I feel, feel Darren like just sat here and said he's rid of him. Darren just sat here and said he's he's not charismatic. He doesn't smile. Do yeah. you, is that a problem for you? You're not bothered. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily on the job description, to be honest. I think <laughs> West Ham hired him for his track record at Malaga and Villarreal more than they did for his track record at Real Madrid and Manchester City. And I, you know, we love it in the media. It's very sensational. 
if he loses today, could this be it? I've watched it Everton away. I've watched it after Arsenal when there was a bit of a collapse, if we're entirely honest. You know, circumstances being what they were, West Ham looked like getting the second goal in the first 50 minutes of the second half. Arsenal hadn't had a shot on target. One thing led to another, you've lost the game. So I felt he spoke after the game today with real poise and intelligence, saying if we had those drop points on another season against Palace at home, Sheffield United at home, Newcastle at home, we'd be having a wholly different conversation. And he is an engineer. He's a very methodical manager. I think his track record speaks for itself. be a very expensive sacking. And, uh, and I think, you know, he's clearly still got the belief of the players to go away again. Chelsea was more emphatic, but to go away again, keep a clean sheet, disallowed goal, arguably should have had a penalty. You've got to ride your luck at times. Southampton had a couple of chances uh, in the second half, but Ings and Long have still never scored against West Ham in their careers. So Long, may that continue. Maybe they needed Charlie Austin today. And we take the three points. We've got a nice little break now because we're not playing Liverpool. And we move on, onwards and upwards. Still, I still fancy under Pellegrini, top half finish, end of the season. All right, Michael, thank you very much for your call. That was Michael, the West Ham fan. Um, there was one point he made where he said he's stumbling across um, a formation that works. Um, the word stumbling... Mate, I put, I put a lot of managers in that same bracket. Mm. Una Amre at Arsenal was the same. They kind of keep... Things ain't going well. They, they hope more than actually knowing what they're doing. Because we, we spoke about Pellegrini mm. and some of his um, his tactical choices at times. Like, remember when they played Newcastle and playing Zabaleta, Zabaleta against St. Maximum? Maximum. I think you're going to say that. You know I mean? Things like that. So, I think sometimes with managers, when... when you are in a difficult situation. You kind of hope, you're trying to change things and it might be a little bit drastic, but you kind of hope, rather than know, you hope to stumble across something and he's done that today, he's got the result. So hopefully now he knows that if, if he does need to get two players on the two strikers on the pitch, he can go to a three and it has worked before. What about Southampton? Um, Ralph Hasenhutl, it doesn't feel like there is as much pressure on his job than it does on Manuel Pellegrini's. Why is that? I mean, it's, it's surprising because you're right. There doesn't seem to be that much where people go and listen. He's, he's under under pressure, and he is. But obviously, Southampton have still got a lot of faith in him. Mm. Um, I think he's shown signs, and it's a bit up and down because we've seen him get results, Southampton. Um, but then, obviously, as they did put in today, and I don't think they played badly today. They just ain't got that cutting edge. And we spoke about it before with someone like Danny Ings. He's so important to the way Southampton play because. Not only does he score goals for him, he scores the important goals, which is the first one. Yeah. In any game, the most the most important one is the first goal, and he always seems to get that, and that kind of gives Southampton that platform. As we saw today, if he doesn't score first, or if he doesn't score, then they, they struggle. Let's go to the lines again. Ryan is a Southampton fan. Hi, Ryan. Hi, how are you doing? Hello, oh, very well. You okay? No, not really. God, it's getting pathetic now. Oh. It's um, I've just been to the game with my daughter. She's had to hear me shout. I've nearly lost my voice. I'm just literally in despair. I was wondering if I could uh, ask your guest a question about football players in general. Of course you can. Go um, for it. Okay. Well, uh, you know, uh, Darren, you seem to be, you know, uh, slightly more intelligent than what the average footballer would be perceived to be. Whoa. You hold your own alongside Adrian Durham, so you must be. So, um, <laughs> you know, to put up with him. Anyway, <laughs> The thing is, is well, what I don't get is at what point, is, how many uh, games into a season, because we're now really with him into the second season, at what point does it get on the pitch at certain minutes where you realise that you're an embarrassment with what you're doing? And they're right, you might be following, it seems like they're consistently bad and consistently doing the same wrong things. So uh, all I can imagine is that they're actually following orders rather well. But at what point do you just sort of get together and just start looking around at each other and just go, right, you're the fastest you start ringing, running down the wing. Right, you can nod the ball on. Right, we're going to just nod it up to you. You're going to head it on the wing. We're going to try and score some goals, schoolboy style, and actually make some decisions. Or do you think that the average footballer is pretty much, even at Premier League level, incapable of transcending such... Uh, you know, such orders. Because no, John, it's just it's just despairing to watch it. I can understand, yeah, it's hard, but at the same time, with players under the pitch, on the pitch, you understand that if the the manager ultimately picks the team, and I mean, to be fair, a lot of footballers will worry about their own performance. Now, if the manager tells you to do something, then you're going to do it because there's a chance you're going to be out of the team. Now, yeah, you're right. Like some players should be able to take the initiatives themselves and think, right, come on, let's all come together. We can pretty much forget about what he's telling us and we can get the results on the pitch and put the performances in. But sometimes you'll find is that players will hide behind that. If that makes sense. Because yeah, I see what you mean because if they realise they're not going to actually get to where they, they you know, it's, it's easier to then just sit back, follow the order completely and then you can blame it on it. I'll exactly. It, but... And that's the thing. Players taking the initiatives themselves, players don't want to do that because if they start trying to do their own thing and they get outed by the manager, not going to be in the team. But also as well, they know by keep putting in these type of performances and how, and obviously hiding behind the manager's philosophies and his, his tactics that 
people then will go, well, it's not their fault, it's the manager's fault. And ultimately, that happens in a lot of dressing rooms, and ultimately, that's what happens just before a manager gets the sack. Oh, I hope so. Um, so Nathan Redmond, I mean, he was such a good player a couple of seasons ago, and I'm not just calling him out, but he seems to be like a headless chicken on the pitch. Every game, non-stop, is consistently uh, it, it, making the same mistakes. And I think that it, someone like him, you know, would think, oh, well, you know, I was nearly touching on England's door a couple of seasons ago, yeah, I, and now see. I'm so far away from it. Me and, me, and Laura, um, me and Laura said this before. We've said that. With someone like Nathan Redmond, at this present time, Southampton in a relegation battle, and you, you've got quality players there now, like Ward Prowse. I think he is trying. You can see that he's giving it his all. He's yeah. got a few important goals for you. But someone like Redmond, who's more like one of your more talented players, you need so much more from him. And that, would, if I wasn't Nathan Redmond at the minute, I'd think to myself, well, it, there's got to be a, a situation where the manager goes, I can't take him off. But you're finding, you're finding in recent games, the manager's just taking him off. And you got think, subbed at half-time today. You, you know what I mean? You mm. think for, for Romeo, which is more maybe a little bit more negative but you think well but for someone who's got that kind of ability and as you said a couple of years ago was knocking on the England squad like he's been overtaken now by about four or five different wide men mm. he's got to be doing a bit more because I think if he's firing and Danny Ings is firing that's going to help Southampton but at the minute if it's not Danny Ings then who else have you got? Ryan um, no one. You, you were just saying I mean I, I got from, from what you were saying that you're not really a Ralph Hasenhutl fan either I was, um, I was really sort of, you know what, I've, I've done it with Pellegrini, I've done it with Pule, I've made songs up for them all, and you try making up songs for Pule and Pellegrini, it's like the most <laughs> disgusting, but they haven't, none of them have, no one of them have, um, none of them have actually deserved to, to have the songs released, so like, given a bit of time, I've always backed the team, but it's just seeming now like, um, you're banging your head up against the same wall, you're watching the same sort of mistakes, like say, it's not like they're making different mistakes and going, oh, well, they're technically just a bit inept, or maybe the fight isn't there, and you can go, oh, come on, and we can jeer them up, be the 12th man, but literally, we are the 12th man, we're sat there in despair, and it just seems like, uh, it, well, I've heard things about his coaches, as well as lost his coaches, I heard he's stubborn, he's Austrian, probably is, but the fact of the matter is, is that he just needs to, you know, I'll just start to say, it just seems out of frustration, the players should look around maybe, and he just think like, right, we've got the 70 minutes, 72 minutes, right, come on, lads, we all said this, we're not doing it now, let's just play old school football and get in there, get stuck in there, get the ball up and just take as many shots as possible. doesn't matter, you know, and you think, but you've done his job for 70 minutes, he can't really then say, well, you didn't implement my plan, because we have for 70 minutes, you know, it's over two, three quarters of the game, let's try something different and then if you won it, everyone would love him and oh. they wouldn't even notice. Alright, so, Ryan, thank you. Thank you very much thank for your you. call and for your sake and your and your daughter's sake, I hope that things start to look up a little bit for Southampton. Um, so after that win for West Ham at Saints, Manuel Pellegrini told TalkSport he was pleased with the manner of the victory. A good win because I think that we play similar as we did against Chelsea always trying to win the game but very very consistent team in defending and every with good order no distractions that was the reason why we lost against against uh, Arsenal that was a game that also we dominated till, till the 1-1 after that those this concentration in three minutes allowed Arsenal to to win that game but I think that uh, in this game we were consistent and solid in 95 minutes there you go. So Southampton losing at home to West Ham. West Ham pulling themselves up a spot on the table and West and Southampton very much staying where they are in the relegation zone. Game day, your verdict on Talk Sport. Sheffield United, another win. They're fifth. It's ridiculous. Uh, one defeat in ten. They beat Villa by two goals to nil earlier today. Let's hear from the Blades boss, Chris Wilder, with Alan Biggs. Chris, different tactics from the manager at half-time today, although the assumption from a few of us that you weren't quite at it in the first half is disputed by you. Well, 100%. I think, you know, if we think that we're going to have a 95, 96-minute, you know, uh, minutes of pure domination, I think, you know, you need to give your head a shake, Al. <laughs> Thank you. Um, because we're up, up against opposition, we're up against international players, we're up against players that, you know, were brought in um, to Aston Villa um, and a very, very powerful football club at, at, uh, at this, uh, uh, in English football. The ground, the history, the stadium, the players that they've got, the players that got them out of the division. So it sometimes might be a little bit of a, little bit of a sparring match. And I thought, if we were looking at that, I thought if it's a sparring match, I thought we were, we were on top without, without really pressing home our advantage as an home side has to. Uh, but I thought second half we really did step onto it and the energy uh, and, and, and the way we moved the ball about about the pitch was was outstanding and it, we went right to the end and uh, that, that was uh, that was f fantastic for me to watch that. 
Let's say something about the expectation level you've created that yeah. people imagine that you're going to tear the paint off the wall at nil nil at half time against Aston Villa. No, sometimes you know when when timing is right. Um, but today for me it was, you know, we've got another another gear in us, and it was continuing doing the, the, the same things. Their back four keep their back four narrow, you know, overload down the wide, and you know, possibly cross it a little bit earlier than we, what we did first half. Um, but we felt if we got our noses in front, then we could go and, and first goal is so important at, at, at this level. We've got our noses in front, then then I think there was, there'll be more joy in the game for us, which obviously it, it was. We never felt as if we were massively on the back foot and out of nothing, obviously, the, the VAR penalty, which is obviously a disappointing one from our point of view. Just still, yet again, looking for consistency. John, you know, slashes, slashes at one. He can't move out of the way. It's his hand. James Ward-Prowse down here against Southampton in front of the cop. So, yet again, a subjective decision. Um by somebody at Stockley Park. I'm not disagreeing that it was a, it was a penalty. It was, it was a bit unfortunate, a bit unlucky. But, yet again, we're looking for, for that consistent level, aren't we? Mm. And he's gone against us again. You uh, don't really know what to expect. Which you I don't know what to expect. I think, yeah, I think and if you look at that instance, yeah. it, could have gone, it could have gone either way. So, you know, yet again, it's, as I said, I think he's really unlucky because... It's just come up, up up off him so quickly, and I don't know what he, what he, he can do with his hand. Obviously, the boy's behind him, but I said I said, you know, after the Southampton game, James Ward-Prowse has handballed, he stuck his air hand in a, a natural position, and um, we've got three players ready ready to tap it in. So, um, but as I said, I think we would be hugely um, hugely taken away from uh, an, an outstanding performance for us. Um, yeah. But yet again, as I said, we rode our luck a little bit. Penalty missed and uh, uh, still went for the third and fourth goal and, and, and obviously a, a great afternoon for everybody at the football club. Speak to Peter, who's a Sheffield United fan. How are you doing, Peter? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, all right. Are you Adrian? Yeah, real good. Good to hear from you. What do you, you want to talk about VAR? Uh, VAR, I can't absolutely stand it. It's absolutely killing the game. We've been on the wrong end of so many results just through bad VAR. I mean, the worst one, I think, was Rumsfeld. How on earth he could have been judged off five years, size nine? At Spurs, you mean, know. yeah? Yeah. At Spurs, yeah. They yeah. were disgraceful. Today, well, they play on and they, and they give him VAR and then they say it's a penalty. I'm glad he missed it because, quite frankly, they didn't deserve anything today. We bossed him at their ground, but he went 3 all in the end and it was just a result they shouldn't have got anyway. The, the last few games we played, including Liverpool, we, the lads who, who's playing now, I mean, they're all journeymen. They've all come up. They've all stepped up to the mark. There's no big names in there. He just plays a great team. The team spirit is outstanding. The, ma- the manager, Chris Wilder, I understand why he's been, uh, his name's been put forward for other bigger clubs. But he'll not leave United at this moment in time because there's no reason for him to do that. And as far as the lads go, I mean, O'Connell, I can't understand why he's not even going to sniff at England. The other lads like Fleck, he's playing for Scotland, great footballer, great left foot. And then you've got McGoldrick, uh, not the quickest player. An outstanding technician brings the people into the game, and then you've got um, Moussa who didn't do particularly well at his other club, and then he comes in. He's, he's having a world day. Yeah, it's incredible oh, the Moussa story. Who are you who are you giving a shout for England for? Uh, O'Connell at the back. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously he's a great player, and, and England are struggling with that position with Stone and other people. I think that he's a he's a great player, week in and week out. Him and Egan at the back. You've got Baldock left uh, right, and then you've got um, Edna Stevens on the left. Two tremendous full-backs. We, we talk about kids from Liverpool, but quite frankly, Baldock the right-back is outstanding. Really is. But who knew? Who knew? I mean, when he, when he was coming through at Milton Keynes, David Connolly, I had no yeah. idea he'd be a Premier League player. No, but I mean, you can say this about, about Christian Wilder. He turned Leon Clark into sort of a journeyman striker, yeah. into someone who's yeah. prolific. So he's got yeah. this about him, that he can do this with players. And that's real coaching. That's coaching and managing. I think there's got to be a shout-out to Alan Nil as well. He's second in command, Alan Nil. Yeah. He's, he's been outstanding, quiet, unassuming chap, big lad. And, and you can see that there's a lot of respect for that man in the game and also at United. The, the, the place itself is buzzing at the moment. The crowd, the, the people, the people running the back room staff, you can see it's all coming together. And the position that is not a false position. It's a true and genuine position where they've earned the right to be there. I mean, Peter, on on that position, Peter, where would you be happy with ending this season now with the start that you've had? 
hey, listen, we're there playing at the moment. Why can't we be in Europe? <laughs> What's Steady. wrong with that? <laughs> well, hang on. I mean, you look at Chelsea. I mean, I listen to your, your programme every night on the way home. Good man. It's the Spurs, it's Chelsea, or it's Liverpool and it's Cycle. And then you look at West Ham's in, in the mire. Why not United finishing at a reason? I mean, Burnley Club, they actually played them off the pitch. Their long ball tactic didn't work. Uh, West Ham are shocking side. Chelsea, actually, at this moment in time, aren't performed as well. They lost against the Ampers. So, all in all, I mean, United's position isn't a false position at the moment. I think that they're doing really well. Hello, Tom. You are right? Oh, hello. How are you doing? Yeah, we're very well, thank you. We just had Tom back-to-backs, both Villa fans. <laughs> Did you watch yeah, the game? Yeah, uh, no, I wasn't at the game, and I'm glad I wasn't at the game, to be honest. Yeah, and I did want to talk about the Villa, and I like, absolutely, what you were saying about Wesley, yeah. like, and like, for me, like, Wesley, absolutely lazy up front, and uh, we need something else. We need something like, someone like, and I, I've been saying it for like a year, we need Mitrovic, just someone who can put the ball in and that. You're in good just company, Darren, like Darren Bent agrees with you. And or, or Darren Bent up front, if he could like t- take a couple of years off his uh, his self. And oh, he'll need a couple of months be... to get in shape. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he's fine with all those stairs he's going up all the time. No, that's Clinton Morrison. Clinton Morrison won't won't climb uh, the stairs here to the seventeenth floor. But Darren Bent quite happily gets the lift. Well, I don't know. Anyone, he's like all the time. Just anyone. But with, with the amount we've like loaded out, you know, everyone's saying with the next Fulham, you know. But I, I don't believe we're the next Fulham. I think we do stand a massive chance, probably over Watford, probably over Southampton, probably, uh, possibly not over Newcastle since Bruce, since Bruce is doing all right. But yeah. Tom, Tom, sorry to interrupt you. Where are you? Where am I? Yeah. I, I basically, I'm working for a delivery and I'm doing an order at the moment, so I'm going down the high street. You sound, yeah, like, you sound yeah, like you're I fighting don't. with lots of little dinosaurs or something. It's really hard. I, I, I'm always doing that, yeah. <laughs> All right, stay, stay there for a minute, Tom. Um, he wants All to right. get Mitrovic in, Darren. This is something that you've been saying since the beginning of the season, pretty much. Like Villa just need a, a proper striker. Yeah, and no, listen, there's no disrespect to Wesley by uh, saying proper striker. It's a little bit, though, isn't it? But I just think at the minute, sometimes it's, Villa right now they're in a situation. It's weird because it's kind of a similar situation when I went to Aston Villa. They were, they were struggling a little bit, I think fourth or fifth on bottom. And obviously, mm-hmm. I was brought in to score goals to, to, to kind of keep them in the division. Now, they're going to find themselves in January in the kind of same position. Now, we spoke about Mitrovic, but also another one as well. And I was speaking to a couple of Aston Villa fans this morning at my academy game, and they were saying about bringing Benteke back. Now, wow, yeah, bringing Benteke back just because of how much they loved him. And to be fair, it makes it, that's half the battle. If you can go somewhere and you've already, you've already got the fans on side, which they already will do because they idolised him, they loved him, then maybe they can get, get kind of get. That, that form that form back out of him because he did do really really well at Aston Villa. That big kind of, risk though, isn't it? It, it may, if they can get him on loan, it's not. If maybe a loan to the end of the season because listen, the fans loved him and as a player you can buy into that. When you can feel how much the, the crowd appreciate you and they love you, that makes you want to run harder, work harder for the team. So Tom, you're a Villa fan. Would you take him back? Yes, mate. Darren, no, we're not having Ben Teke back, mate. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! What, what no. are you talking about? Of course, we're not having Ben Teke back. So well. he, 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 he can't finish his Christmas dinner, man. <laughs> no, but listen, I'm are you joking? I'm talking. Mate, we, 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 we spent 112 million pounds in the summer. We're not going to spend another look. Another, what, hey, loan, loan. He might not cost you much, Tom. Loan. Darren, Darren, I'd much prefer you than Ben Teke at the moment, regardless of your age. Well, what I'm saying is that <laughs> this morning, some Villa fans were, were up for this. They said, yeah, bring him back. Give, give him a run. Don't put it on the Villa fans. Uh, some Villa fans <laughs> are up for it. You're the one that brought it to <laughs> National Radio. <laughs> 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 Defend your point. No, having Ben Teke was never a decision. That was never going to happen. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not necessarily... You're not There's necessarily going to get someone like Mitrovic. That's what we're saying, though. Who else? I mean, well, well, well. Also, we're in the market for Pedro. I don't know if you noticed that. You say that again. We're in the market for Pedro. I don't know if you noticed that. That, that for me. Because Chelsea, Chelsea aren't playing him. That doesn't. And we've lost, lost Tammy. So, if we'd have had Tammy Abraham this season, if we'd have managed to be gone to him, and if Chelsea hadn't had that transfer ban, we'd be absolutely fine. We'd be absolutely sorted. Pedro is not the right fit for me, I don't think. Why? Yes, but Tammy would have been. Though. Because I don't think you'd have been the right fit because you, you get talk about a player all of a sudden that's come from Barcelona to Chelsea, obviously playing, obviously playing with teams that dominate the ball, 
Ethan have to now completely change up his whole game because Villa right now, as you speak, are four from home, scrapping for their no, lives. No, no. You, need, you, need, no. you need a player now that's going to I obviously... completely agree, but we also need a bit of experience in the team. And yeah. Pedro, he's, 30, he's 32 years old and he does have a bit of experience. Yeah, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have the experience in that in that type of relegation battle. He has re re experience Champions League finals. Yeah, well, 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 they call him a luxury it's player. Not, yeah, maybe, yeah, a little bit. Well, it's not talking about luxury. He's not, he's not a luxury player. He's hardly a mezzo, is he? No, don't fit for me. Hey, Tom, um, who are you supposed yeah. to be delivering to and how long How long have you been waiting Trust to deliver? That's, that's, that's a very told? good point because I've just been like uh, hanging outside the restaurant and this so, is, yeah, I better go, guys. What, what's, what's the dinner, by the way? Uh, it's a Siam Smile, so it's like a Cantonese. Oh, okay. interesting. Oh. you like Cantonese, Laura? Um, I'm more of a fish and chips gal to be honest. Oh, right. Well, I'll deliver that to you anytime <laughs> you want me. Cut him off immediately. Cut him off. Block that number. Tom, Tom, thanks very much. I hope you get relegated. <laughs> Just joking. Do you, uh, do you know him? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, he probably, he's probably delivered to me a few times, actually, because I order quite a lot. Game day. Your verdict. On Talk Sport. Let's bring in uh, Tony, a Liverpool fan. There were two nil winners over Watford today. I tell you what, Tony, both finishes from Mo Salah were world class, weren't they? Evening, lads. Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, and to be fair, you've got to say Nigel Pearson got a great reaction from Watford today. Um, I thought he was very, very good on the day. Uh, Delafeo and Will Hughes, especially, were exceptional. I thought. Um, if they carry on like that, I think they'll be okay. I, I genuinely do. He knows how to get them out of trouble. I think he will. Well, they, they, they need to finish their chances, though, didn't they? I mean, your, your heart must have been in your mouth several times. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously no-one's going to lie down and let you win, are they? That's the way it is. But yeah, the two goals are great, but I was just saying to your producer just before that, I just spoke to you, I think VAR, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's for or against Liverpool, if it's clear and obvious, as we were told it was going to be, you should see that within 20 seconds. You shouldn't be looking at it for a minute, a minute and a half, two minutes. If you're looking at it for that long, then it's not a clear and obvious issue, and you should be going with the on-field decision. By the which which incident are you talking about? Mane's goal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually think it's funny. It's laughable, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, obviously, if the, if the boot was on the other foot, I'd say the same thing again. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, by definition, anything clear and obvious... Is, is something that you will see immediately. If you've got to keep looking angle after angle, draw the lines on, on, on the pitch and what have you, using use, uh, card or whatever, it's ridiculous. I mean, you should go straight back to the referee and say, it's not clear and obvious, go with your decision, and that's it, job done. But we're going on, we're looking at more angles, and the referee must be thinking, you know, Christ, what's going on here? Am I, have, I made a, have I dropped one here or not? But, you know, it's not doing the game any good, and Klopp spoke about that. But, you know, obviously that goes for and against you. But if it's clear and obvious, it doesn't take two minutes to decide it. I agree. I mean, I, I, I could not... I, let me tell you exactly what happened, because it, it was a ridiculous decision to disallow that goal, I felt. I, I actually watch, was watching it, um, and I, I needed to go and visit the press room. So I was watching it uh, in the press box here at Leicester, because we weren't on it until 2.30. So I was watching it, and I saw the lines, I saw VAR looking at it, and I thought, oh, that's, that's a goal. Uh, Liverpool are 2-0 up. So off I went, thinking Liverpool were 2-0 up. Came back, and it said 1-0. I, I couldn't get my head around it. So I had to check with the people back at TalkSport. Are they disallowed that goal and I'm looking at I've just sent you a, a, a screen grab uh, David Connolly of this this disallowed goal the Mane one and I cannot get my head around it at all you explain yeah I mean I can't because you know it's absolutely ridiculous and I was just thinking back about the one for Chef Yu do you remember I think it was against Tottenham where the oh, play yeah. went out wide I mean it's an absolute ridiculous decision <laughs> by VAR and there's been to be honest too many of them this season there's no way that one should have been ruled out today I think it's got to be exactly as a caller says it's got to be clear and obvious and too many times this season that hasn't been the case there has to draw I know we've got to draw the line somewhere but we're talking millimetres and again you know, obviously calls and games are just being dominated by VAR, which is, you know, just not what you want to be talking about. I agree. Tony, I think the, the only thing I would say to you is, uh, I saw a story this week, we were talking about it on the show, actually, that um, they are going to change how they're looking at offside decisions. I'm not sure when it's going to come in. Sooner the better, hopefully. I'm not sure how much of a difference it's going to make. Their idea is that they're going to have thicker lines and there's got to be clear daylight between the thick lines. Now, it all sounds ridiculously scientific it kind of it goes for me against what is the soul of football when a goal like that is disallowed because what is it is glute or his hip is mm. offside it's pathetic well you've also got a uh, the added uh, confusion which is when the referee uh, sorry when the linesman raises his flag you've got some strikers 
who don't realise that they've got to carry on and put the ball in the back of the net or at least have a shot on goal. Some of them are going to stop. Now, you, can you imagine? It, it could happen where somebody, you know, would maybe lose a league at the end of the season in a, in a, in a playoff game. You know, a must-win game similar to last season. If, if that happened again, imagine a striker goes through. Um, he thinks he's offside. The linesman's put the flag up. He stops, and then VAR shows it, it would have been clear through, and he could have just slotted the ball in. So there's so much confusion. I, I think it's a disaster. Me, I, I was a big, uh, you know, supporter of it. The way it was, um, you know, used in Russia during the World Cup, it was exceptional. The way they did it, go to the side of the pitch and all that. But I, I think we, we've we've added so much confusion to the game now. It's a disaster, and people just don't even support goals anymore because you don't know if it's a goal. You just don't know. I mean, at what phase do they stop, you know, VAR? You know, is it when you're halfway, you know, towards the opposition's goal? You know, how far did he go before you let it go and then drag it back again? You know, can someone score a goal at the other end and then we'll drag it all the way back to the original uh, incident and say, sorry, we'll have to cancel your goal and give a penalty here? Yeah? Oh, yeah, that, 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 I mean, that has happened before. I mean, it's uh, for me, you're, you're right. I mean, it, it's taking so much away from football. And I think that thing, it was like the Firmino one at Aston Villa, and I was at that game as well, Tony. Yeah, they, they, um, they, they, <laughs> they put the flag up. And do you know what? I've, I've, I was looking at every single line, every freeze frame, and there on no on no occasion, on not one single occasion, was in any way Roberto Firmino offside. The goal should have stood. I think they only disallowed it VAR because they knew the lino would put his flag up. Tom Heaton in the Villa goal has got his hand up because he's seen the linesman's flag. If you watch it back, as the ball's mm. hitting the net, his, his hand is up in the air. And so I felt the VAR, well, we better disallow this one because the Lino's put his flag up. It, it's going to change the game so dramatically. And at the start of it all, they were saying, oh, it's, it's not going to be so much intervention from us. It's going to be like, hands off, you won't know we're there. Okay. They're transforming football. They're transforming the way football fans celebrate goals, the way they, they support their team. They're transforming the way footballers celebrate goals. Tyrone Mings for Aston Villa at Man United a couple of weeks ago scores a brilliant equaliser. In the old days, he would just look across at the lino, the flag is down, he could go and celebrate. Now he sees the lino's flag is down, he thinks he's offside, so he's not bothering to celebrate. It's just plain wrong. David Connolly, as an ex-footballer, would you want it or not? Um, look, I think it's a really difficult one, but I think it's ruining football. I really do. And obviously when it came in, we heard about in the Bundesliga in Germany, how they hate it. They wish they never brought it in. And I think it, it does have its merits. It does have its merits at, at some point, but I just don't think clear and obvious is clear and obvious enough at the minute. Game day, the biggest football league in the world. Game day, your verdict on Talk Sport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 